Well, by a show of hands, all of our campuses, please participate. Also, those connecting over the internet, and even John and Shauna and Wayne and Rita, who are connecting with us from Las Vegas today. Everybody participate and answer this question. How many of you guys have ever been on an international airplane flight? Ever been on an international flight? Isn't that exciting? Now, the destination may be exciting, but I'm telling you what, it is quite an experience, isn't it? You have to sit still. It's like going to school for the first time. Sit still for hours at a time, and uh, especially back in coach where I am, that's very uncomfortable. And then you change all these time zones, so it, it gets a little bit, uh, you know, kind of crazy, and you, you know, just lose a lot of sleep. And, and so uh, recently, I was over in Africa, got to see what God is doing through Lake Point in real life, and, and just amazing things that God's doing over there. And one of my uh, trips back was from Accra, Ghana, all the way to Washington, D.C., nonstop, 11 hours, a lot of time zones, landed in Washington, D.C. at 5.30 in the morning, Eastern time. And so many of you guys have probably landed there, but it was my first time on an international flight in D.C. So they emptied this entire plane, and they put the entire plane into three different rooms. Well, I thought they were rooms, but actually they were huge shuttles. The room started moving, okay? I've never seen a, uh, you know, a vehicle like this. Let me show you what it looked like. We were in these huge rooms, okay? This room was moving really slow to connect us over to customs, and that was our next stop. And so I'm on this big room that's moving, and I'm trying to process and wake up here. I gotta get my passport, gotta fill out the paperwork. My luggage is probably gonna get searched. I mean, I'm thinking about all this stuff. And, and while this shuttle's moving, just a few minutes after it started, this guy from across the room, across the shuttle, you can't make this stuff up, dressed in a suit, looked really official, and he's talked really loud, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? I, I thought he was with the airline. I thought he was about to tell us what to expect and how our passports were gonna get processed. But then he said this, he said, ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? This shuttle is heading toward a destination, just like your soul is heading toward a destination. And because we're all born sinners, because of that sin, our destination is hell. But the good news is that God sent Jesus, Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and if we would turn to him and repent of our sin, then the destination of our soul is heaven. Now, I was trying to process what was happening here at 5.30 in the morning going, all right, I mean, this guy's throwing down the gospel on a shuttle. <laughs> oh, man, you know, this is pretty cool, you know? And, but I looked over and the guy next to me, he's not paying attention. He's on his phone, it was as if nobody was talking. I looked around the whole shuttle, no one was paying attention to this guy. The lady next to me, she's filling out her paperwork. And this guy keeps going, I mean the shuttle's rolling and he's on a roll. And he keeps talking and the whole time we, until we dock at the building, and then when the shuttle stops, he stops and we all empty the shuttle. And let me tell you, what, everything he said was absolutely accurate. Everything he said was true, but something was missing. And it was almost like, it just seemed really flat, and it all almost felt hollow to me. And what was missing in his presentation is what we're gonna talk about today as we wrap up this series called In the Meantime. So I'm asking you to turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 19. And if you don't have a Bible, on the back of your worship guide is the key verse for the day. Also a place to follow along and take some notes if you'd like to do that. While you're finding Luke chapter 19, let me just say that our pastor, Steve, did an incredible job on telling the story in this series. If you missed that message, please go back and watch and listen to that about practical ways to share your faith and tell people about Jesus and how he's changed your life. 
As a matter of fact, in that message, he, he talked about a free resource by HomePoint called Tell the Story. And if you did not get this packet, please go by HomePoint today or the Connection Center and get this free resource for your family. Just looking at practical ways to share your faith as a single, whoever you are, whatever life stage, this is a great resource to tell the story. Now, you'll be happy to know that there are practical tips, but there is no tip in this envelope that tells you to share your faith by preaching at people at 5.30 in the morning while they're on a shuttle going in D.C. after an international flight. But seriously, we've got to tell the story, don't we? In the meantime, we've got to share our faith. This tells us how. We've talked about that. Today, we're going to look at, yes, we need to tell the story. But today, we're going to talk about we need to also live the story. The question today is, is how do you live a contagious Christian life? Because if we think about it, our actions and what people see in our lives is actually more powerful than even what we say, more powerful than our words. Uh, let's do this together. Over the internet uh, campuses, you guys play along. Make a circle with your fingers like this. Everybody do this, it'll be really fun, this'll be great, okay? Now, just get the circle like this, okay, hold it up, just make sure you got it. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to place this circle that you have, you've made a circle here, I want you to place that circle right now, place it on your chin right now, place it on your chin, on your chin. Put it on your chin. On your chin. What, what is happening right now? How many of you guys put it on your cheek? You put it on your cheek? What did you do that for? Come on. What did you put it on your cheek for? Because you're doing it. What did we just learn here together? A lot of you were like this. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I had to overcome the fact that my actions were saying something different than my words. What we just learned together is what you do is more powerful than what you say. So how do we live a Christian life so that what we do actually draws people toward God and toward the gospel and lines up with what we believe and the story that we tell and believe is true? Now, no one lived a more contagious life than Jesus. And in Luke chapter 19, it's a very familiar story. Jesus is going through Jericho, and at this point in his ministry, he's very popular, has a huge crowd, and it's like the Rose Bowl parade without the roses or the floats. I mean, there's a lot of people following Jesus. And in this story, there's a tax collector that gets up in a tree to look down, and he's observing Jesus' life. He wants to see who Jesus is, and he wants to observe how Jesus uh, carries himself. And as Jesus walks through on this huge parade, he surprises everyone, stops the procession, and talks to the man in the tree who happens to be a tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus, and he works for the Roman government, and in today's terms, he works for the IRS. Nobody likes these people. He works, he collects taxes. And Jesus stops and he talks to this man and something incredible happens and I want you to watch it today. Watch how the contagious life of Jesus without preaching at this man or even giving him a sermon, by the stroke of midnight, Zacchaeus' life is completely changed because Jesus said, I wanna have a leisurely dinner with you. Maybe we'll talk about some spiritual issues in your life and by the stroke of midnight, Zacchaeus' life is completely changed, not by a sermon, but in large part because of the contagious life of who Jesus is. And today I want you to see four keys to how we can live the contagious life that Jesus shows us in this interaction with Zacchaeus. So we find the first one as we pick up the story in Luke chapter 19. If you have a Bible, I'll put it on the screen as well. But let's look at verse five. It says this, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. 
I love this story because Jesus stops and notices a man that some people hate but everybody ignores. And he gives us the first key to living a contagious life and here it is. If you wanna take notes, you can write it down but this is the key. Learn names and look for needs. Jesus learns this man's name, knows his name and he knows what Zacchaeus' need. You see, Jesus teaches us right here that the most powerful thing you can learn about somebody is their name. And it also shows us that if you wanna make a friend, you meet a need in their life. And let me just stop here. If you feel like Zacchaeus today, maybe you're checking out Christianity, you're not a Christian yet, but you're just really curious like Zacchaeus was, I've got great news for you. You feel like an outsider today? It's not an accident you're here, just like it wasn't an accident that Zacchaeus was in the tree. Jesus knows your name today. He knows you're here, and he loves you. And his compassion is for you just like it was for Zacchaeus and all of us. And he stops by your seat today and says, I love you. And here's the great news. He wants to go home with you today. If you'll just open up your heart to the gospel and the good news and confess that he is your Lord and Savior like Zacchaeus does, everything can change for you today. But you see, Jesus stops and he learns Zacchaeus' name. And for those of us who follow Christ, notice what Jesus doesn't do. I'm so glad Jesus uh, does it the way he does it. I'm glad he doesn't walk up and say, hey you, yeah, you in the tree, whatever your name is. Hey, what are you doing up there? What's your problem? Why don't you, you know, get right or get left? Jesus doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, hey Zacchaeus. He starts with their name. That's where you always start. Because if you have somebody's name, you have them. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And when you meet their need, all of a sudden they realize that you really do have compassion for them. Some needs are more obvious than others. Zacchaeus had needs. He said, no, he didn't. He was a rich guy. Zacchaeus was rich, but he was lonely. And he needed what all of us need and every person you meet needs, and that's a friend. Zacchaeus had a lot of money, but he didn't have meaning. He had a lot of stuff, but it didn't satisfy him. And Jesus, through this interaction we're about to watch, learns this guy's name, finds out what his need is, and he needs a friend. He says, Zacchaeus, I just wanna hang out with you. That's where you start. That's why in this series we gave out these cards. It's just a rescue card, an impact card, if you will, and we told you to write down the names of three people. That's where it starts. What are their names? And before you say anything or preach at them, pray for them. And before you say anything, live your life in front of these three people so they'll see the change that Jesus has brought in your life. You start with a name, and you start with what's the need. So Jesus says, hey Zacchaeus, I wanna come hang out with you. Now notice Zacchaeus' response, verse six. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his home, and he had great excitement and great joy. Zacchaeus was excited that Jesus was going home with him. Here's key number two to a contagious life. Listen to their story before you share yours. Why was Zacchaeus so excited? because Jesus was actually genuinely interested in him and not just what he wanted to tell him. Have you guys noticed we live in a culture that's bombarding us with information, advertisements, people that want us to know this and know that, information overload and overwhelming? If you wanna live a contagious life, know somebody's name, and once they hear that name, know what their need is, and then, before you wanna tell them anything, just say, hey, I'd love to hear your story. Listeners are far and far between these days. You wanna be contagious? I wanna really know, I'm interested in you. This is all the way through the scriptures in Philippians chapter two, I'll put this on the screen for you. Verse three and four, it says this, here's the principle. Whatever you do, whenever you do things, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble. Give more honor to others than to yourselves. Don't be interested only in your own life and your story 
but be interested in their story. Be interested in the lives of others. Now, I want you to know that this takes time. It takes time to get to know somebody's story, but it pays huge dividends, and it leads to a contagious life where they're going to ask you why. But you may say, well, no, 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 okay, fine. Maybe I'll take time, but I want to tell them like it is. You're wrong, okay? Tax collectors are losers, okay? I want to tell them you need to repent of your greed and turn to God, tax collector. I want to tell them like it is. Now, deep down, we know that that's not going to be very effective. As a matter of fact, let me ask all the married ladies in in the house today, how many of you ladies have ever been in the car with your husband when he took a wrong turn and you got lost when he was driving? Would you raise your hand? This happened to you. Yes, some of you are scared to raise your hand, but it happens. It does. I get lost, okay? Now, let me ask you this, ladies. What happens when you turn to your husband while he's lost and say, you're lost? You took a wrong turn. You need to turn around. How does that conversation go with your husband? Your husband goes, thank you so much for that input. I really appreciate you helping me realize that I am wrong and lost. No, that is not what we do, because we're men, all right? We get defensive, we get all tense. It doesn't work. Getting in someone's face and saying, admit it, you're lost. Getting in someone's face and trying to get them to admit, you are wrong. It builds up resentment and it builds up walls. It doesn't, you know, build up receptivity. We know this. Zacchaeus also knows how Jesus comes by and it's so contagious. Jesus doesn't stop and say, hey, you tax collector, you're wrong. That's why you're up in that tree. You don't have any friends, loser. That would not have been very effective. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to I hang out with you. You want to go on a barbecue? Let's just, I want to hear your story. Wow, how refreshing, how contagious. Jesus is teaching us in real time how to really impact someone's life by how we live. And you notice in the story, he's excited Jesus is coming over. Here's my question that I want you to ask yourself. When people hear that you're coming over, are they excited? I hear, oh, they're coming over, this would be great. Or, oh, they're coming over. All right, tell me what I'm doing wrong and get all crazy Oh, they're coming over? Let me tell you, you're gonna have more friends than you can get to who wanna hear about the gospel when you live the gospel out and you are interested in other people. If anybody needed to humble themselves, it was Zacchaeus needed to humble himself with Jesus. But Jesus humbled himself and taught us how interest in others is so contagious, it changes everything. Now notice this crowd, this parade that's with Jesus, they are not happy with this decision. They're they're not excited, look at verse seven. It says, the people were displeased with Jesus. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Now, now, you can just hear the resentment in this, all right? I mean, doesn't Jesus know who Zacchaeus is? I mean, he's not just a sinner. Why didn't Jesus go home with me? I mean, I'm a sinner, but I'm not a notorious sinner, okay? I mean, I mean I'm not a sinner, but I'm not this huge sinner. Doesn't Jesus know what Zacchaeus did last weekend? Come on. Here's what Jesus is teaching us, even with the the, re- the resistance of the crowd here is key number three. It's love people unconditionally. If you make this decision, you will live a contagious life. Everybody is avoiding Zacchaeus. Whatever you do, don't talk to him. Why? Why would you talk to him? Because he's a tax collector. That's why. But if you choose today to love, you will live a contagious life because the world is watching like Zacchaeus was from the tree and they're observing our life and as Christians. What is gonna define us? May love define us. Jesus says, this is how they're gonna know that you're my followers if you love each other. 
And also, if we love others, we're showing them that we care. Have you ever heard this statement? People don't care how much you know until they know that you care. That came from this story. I'm telling you, Jesus is showing Zacchaeus, I care about you. I really do. And then all of a sudden, Zacchaeus is changed by the message of who Jesus is. I love this prayer, and this is my prayer for us in the meantime. In 1 Thessalonians 3, I'll put it on the screen for you. This is what we do in the meantime. May the Lord make your love for one another. And not just your love for one another, but your love for everybody, for all people, even Zacchaeus out there, everyone to grow. And I love this. May your love overflow, just as our love overflows for you. You see, what, I, what it, we're gonna do in the meantime, we're gonna love people. Why don't you just ask God today, God help me to love people. Here's a prayer. God help me to see people the way you see them. Open my eyes to that. And let me tell you where it's gonna start. It's gonna start right in your own home because I wanna make you a promise. Every day of your life, you will lock eyes with people who are made in the image of God. So when you uh, had that three-year-old running around, Lord, please help me love this three-year-old. It's really, really hard right now. Lord, help me. Help me to see them as you see them, Lord. It's gonna be really tough with your spouse this week. Lord, help me, help me, Lord, help me to love my spouse. I, sometimes I wanna strangle them, Lord, but help me, to, help me to love my spouse. And then when you walk out of the door of that house, God, help me to love the people that are around my life. You see, it all happened because Jesus noticed a person in a tree observing him, and Jesus noticed him. If you ever go to Jericho, you can actually go by a huge sycamore tree. Do you know this? It's a huge sycamore tree, and it actually, I'm gonna show you on the screen here, it actually has a big plaque. It says, Zacchaeus' tree. Now, so is this really the tree? I mean, it was 2,000 years old. Who knows? But I'm just saying, it happened on this street as Jesus went by, and he noticed this person noticing him, and he stopped. Now, when you see people in your life, they're not gonna be in a tree. Unless it's hunting season, they might be in the tree. Like, hey, how's it going? They might be up there but they're probably gonna be in the desk next to you in that classroom. They're probably gonna be in the cubicle around the corner from your office. They're probably gonna be the person that walks by the sidewalk in your neighborhood. They're gonna be there and you're gonna lock eyes with them and they were made in the image of God and when you choose to love them unconditionally, you are living a contagious life because love builds bridges. Love tears down walls and love, as we see in the story, changes people's hearts. I know you say, okay, okay, fine, I'll love them. I'll love them, all right? But I still wanna tell them they're wrong. I wanna tell them to turn. I wanna tell them, you know, that you're messing up and you're messing up other people's lives too. And let me just say very clearly that, that there are platforms and places for that. May God's Holy Spirit give us wisdom of how to communicate when we need to to say those things. But let's start here today. In the meantime, let's do this fourth key to a contagious life, and that is let's live the difference that we wanna see in everybody else. Let's actually live the difference that we wanna see in the culture. You see the difference? If we just took a time out and said, you know what? There's people watching me, just like Zacchaeus was observing. And let me just make you a promise. Everybody you talk to is interested in spiritual issues. They really are curious. And they're watching and they say, I wonder what they're gonna do in this situation. I wonder how they're gonna handle that hardship. I wonder what they're gonna do to respond to that. And they're watching our lives. And you guys already get this. You're already living a different life. You ready for some good news? This weekend, just at the Rockwall campus, 45 people went public with their faith in Jesus Christ and baptism and said our lives have changed. That is awesome. It's incredible. Baptism is a great way to say everything without saying a word. He died, he was buried, he rose again. This is my old life, all my sins washed away. I'm a new person, I didn't say a word. 
What I love is, is because of those 45 people, that means that there are 45 people at Lake Point right now that love those people enough to learn their names and to know their needs. And I'm not gonna read all the names today of those 45 people, but somebody loved Megan. And somebody loved Corey. And somebody loved Vanessa. And somebody loved Ruth. And somebody loved Nicholas and 40 other people that were baptized this weekend here. And loved them enough to learn their names and know their need and, and listen to their story and love them unconditionally until they asked why and drew them by the life change and difference they lived to a place where their lives could change for Christ for eternity. Now, if we're not careful, we lose that kind of passion and focus, and we, we kind of slide over here where it's like, I know the answer, let's get rid of all the tax collectors. That'll fix everything. All those tax collectors, let's legislate no more taxes and pass a law that all tax collectors need to be in trees all the time. Let's do that. If we're not careful, we, we, we forget that the most powerful change we can bring is to be a light for others in our lives and how we live. Let's live the difference that we wanna see in others. And let's just take a time out right now and say, you know what, instead of asking, how does the culture need to be different, how do I need to be different so people see Jesus in me? Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter five. I'll put this verse on the screen for you. He said this to us as followers. He says, you're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, what happens? A lamp is placed on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your, watch this, not your good words, not your good testimony, not your good sermon, but let your good deeds, let your actions be so different than the world that it shines out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus says, we're the light of the world. Did you know that light doesn't make a sound, but it changes everything? Every child who's woken up on a, on a school morning knows that when their parents turn the lights on, it changes everything. Doesn't say a word, it just changes everything. How many of you guys have a flashlight app on your smartphone? You got one of those flashlight apps? Yeah. What do you have one on there for? Because sometimes I just want to change everything. I just, I, I need to see. And light is so different than darkness that without saying a word, the contrast is contagious. And so instead of today asking how does the culture need to change and how do they need to be different, let's ask ourselves, how can we be different? Because it's easy, isn't it, to look at this story and say, oh, well, here's the story, Zacchaeus needs to change. That guy needs to turn. That guy needs to humble himself and pray. That's what all those sinners, notorious sinners for sure, need to do. But look at what the Bible encourages us to do. And look at what God says to us as people who follow him and believe in him. He says, live a contagious life. And this is how we get there. Second Chronicles 7, 14. I'll put it on the screen for you. God says it this way. Then if, watch this, not if those people up in the tree over there, but if my people who are called by my name, Christians, Christ ones, if we will humble ourselves and if Christians will pray, if Christians will seek me, not those people who need to stop, but if Christians who claim to follow Christ, if they'll stop, if we'll stop our evil ways, if we'll turn, God says, then I'll hear from heaven, then I'll forgive their sin, and then I'm gonna heal their land. So you read this, this is a very personal challenge, isn't it? And my personal question to all of us and to me as well is, what do you need to stop so that your light shines? What do you need to turn from so that you're a 
light that is bright, that it pushes back darkness with the contrast that is between the culture and you and how you live. I don't know what it is for you, but it's personal. Maybe for you it's I need to stop being jealous. Maybe it's being a gossip. Maybe it's a secret sin that nobody knows about that just needs to stop today. Maybe it's a sinful relationship that you know God's not pleased with. I don't know what it is today. Maybe you say, you know, I need to stop watching this certain show on Netflix. I need to stop listening to this certain kind of music. Maybe for you, I need to stop being so selfish with my life or maybe being so prideful that I don't think I need to change anything. I know for many of us it's personal, but I just wanna say very clearly, if you're a Christ follower, stop today. Whatever God's showing you, we need to shine bright in this world and light is contrast to darkness and let us turn, as you just heard said, let us be different so the culture asks why and then the whole land is changed by the difference that God's people live and the difference that God's people make without saying a word. Now it's personal and it's convicting and we can't really share all the things God's sharing with us today, but there's three things we see that Jesus does here that I think we can talk about openly that we all struggle with, that if we just evaluated these would allow us to shine a lot brighter and I'm telling you the world needs all three of these. And I've got them in your notes, I'll put them on the screen. Here's the first one. You may say, you know what, I need to change, I need to start being an encourager. I need to be affirming. I need to be more of a positive person when people are around me. Now watch the difference with this. If you just sit around this week and go, we live in such a negative world, all these cynical people everywhere, people are always negative, nobody encourages anybody anymore, so does that help anybody? Are you helping anybody right now? No, 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 you're not. But if you say, you know what, the culture may be cynical, but I, I'm gonna be an encourager. Jesus walked by Zacchaeus' life, and he said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. He could have been discouraging. Hey, what's your problem up in the tree? Yeah, you. Yeah, you, you need to turn. You need to get right or get left. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. Speaking of short, hey, hey, what are you doing up in that tree, short man? Is that helping anybody? No, Jesus says, if you encounter me, you encounter a contagious life and you're gonna walk away being affirmed. When people encounter your life this week, are they gonna walk away feeling discouraged or encouraged? You can make a decision today and say, I'm gonna lift people up. I'm gonna not just point out their faults all the time, I'm gonna reach for the potential that God's given them and the significance they can make because they are created in the image of God. And so maybe you say, you know what, I need to check that one, I need to be an encourager, and that's what I'm gonna work on and you're gonna push back darkness with the light of just affirmation that you see in the story. Maybe for you it's this one, worry. Being worry-free is an incredible witness to the world. And Jesus is not worried about what the crowd's saying. He's not worried about what other people are saying. Oh, he's going to the house of the notorious sinner. Jesus isn't worried. But what happens when we as followers of Christ get worried? Nothing can ruin your witness faster, almost nothing, than worry. You ever gotten on an airplane and the flight attendant is telling you to be calm but they're nervous and they're worried? I don't wanna be on that plane. I don't wanna take that trip. Well, what kind of witness are we as Christians when we say as followers of Christ, we believe that Jesus died and paid for all of our sin, we don't even fear death and we're gonna spend eternity in heaven, but then we get all worried about the weather. We get worried about something temporary, about what happened last week or what may happen the next week. Maybe for you say, you know what, that's the one I'm gonna work on because may my trust in God be so contagious that other people trust him with their eternity because I am trusting him with what I'm going through. I didn't say carefree, 
We all have cares and burdens. I said worry-free, casting all your cares on Christ because he cares for you is an incredible witness, and it is contagious. That trust really does impact others. Now, the third one we actually see in this story, and we pick it up again in Luke 19. Look at verse 8. So meanwhile, while they're hanging out together, Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord. Now watch this, Jesus' name has changed. Now he's Zacchaeus' Lord. He knew about Jesus, but now he's the boss, even over everything, including finances. Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and said, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor. Watch how the light's coming on. This is like a burst of light in the darkness. Lord, Jesus, if I've cheated anybody on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Verse nine, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, welcome home. You're in the family. You've had a life change. Your whole life is transformed. When you really do encounter the generosity of the love of Jesus and how much he has done for you, you can't help but be generous toward others. And that is this third thing that we can all work on and sometimes we struggle with, just generosity. We live in a money-grabbing world, and the world's telling us, you gotta get this, you gotta have that, and don't forget this, and be sure to save up for that. But what would happen if we decided to be generous? Let me just tell you, generosity is, is attention-grabbing. In a world that's so materialistic and selfish, when you do something generous, it's very, very powerful. And look back over these three, being an encourager, trusting God, not worrying, and, and being generous. And I want you to check the one that you're gonna work on so you can shine brighter this week. Please do not check for the person next to you, okay? Don't just reach over there with your spouse and go, you need to encourage me more, oh yeah? Well, you need to be more generous. Oh yeah, well, don't you worry about that. Okay, don't do that, that's kind of gets off. What do you need to work on? I'm telling you, all of us do, but here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine all of us walking out of here, and this week, people seeing a contagious life where they see encouragers, who are affirming others, who are not worried but trusting God, and who are generous with their time like Jesus was with Zacchaeus, and generous with their resources, it would change the world. Let us live the difference that we wanna see in the culture. Now, generosity is, is so powerful. Um, my uh, brother, back when we were kids, he's seven years older than me, and he was graduating from high school. I was about to go in the youth ministry, went to a church, and that church was in a building campaign for a student building. My brother would never walk into that building as a teenager. And one day in the summertime, we were riding around and my brother went through the, to the grocery store where he worked, and it was summer, so his check was really big. He went in to get his check for two weeks. It's a two-week paycheck, 80 hours, and I can remember looking at that check, it was a lot of money. And my brother, without saying a word, drove from the grocery store over to the church that we attended. He got out and he took that check and he turned it over and he endorsed it. And he walked into the church office and he walked out of the church office without the check. And I can remember as a kid, I mean, I was a typical middle schooler about to go into middle school and I, you know, just low self-esteem, struggling with, with faith and friends and just what does God have for me and just all those normal things that go through the adolescent years. And my brother just said very simple words when he came back without that check. He said, hey, I just gave my whole two weeks paycheck for you because you're about to be a teenager. You're gonna go in that building and God loves you, Micah. God's got something special for you and you're gonna do something great for God. Nothing else was said. We went home together. I wanna tell you, I'll remember that more than any sermon on generosity I've ever heard. 
And as we move as a church into this impact season next month, please don't ever, ever confuse that it's about what you're gonna give. It's about who you're going to impact. And my brother's generosity overflowed into my life, and I can't tell you how it was so contagious that I wanna be more generous because of that moment where I observed it in his life, and I wanted it for myself. And I found it in a relationship with Jesus. And now I want to encourage and be generous and trust God like never before. So shall we join him on this mission? Look at the mission in verse 10, the last verse of our text today. Jesus says it clearly, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And as we look for him and as we go out to rescue him, may they see the difference in our contagious life. And to make sure you're tracking with me, your works are not going to lead to your salvation. You are saved by grace, but Jesus is very clear that your works and what we do matters, and your works and your actions can actually point people to the life-changing message, and God just may use what you do and what they observe to point them to him and lead to their own salvation. You see, what do we do in the meantime? Well, here's my prayer for all of us. I'll close with these words from St. Francis of Assisi. I'm gonna put them on the screen for you, and let's read this together. Would you read this with me? Preach the gospel wherever you go. If necessary, use words. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today may we take this message and may we put feet to it and apply it to our lives. Help our lives to tell the story of the change you've brought to us and help us to see with your eyes and love people with your heart this week. May we humble ourselves before you this day and May we pray and seek you every day. May we turn right now from anything that is keeping us from being a light for you. And if anyone is here today who feels far from you, may they right now open their heart to you and may they receive the most generous gift ever given, the love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ as they make him their Lord right now. For those of us who know you, May we be encouragers and may we be generous with our time and resources like never before and may we trust you and may our faith be so strong in you that our faith in you changes the people around us and changes our community and changes our world. For we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ and everyone said amen. Let's give God a hand for his forgiveness and his love to us.